0: Hey, it's Bobby.
1: And it's Jared.
0: And we are here, uh, trying to get this thing recorded. It feels like, uh, man, yeah. it's, it's been fun.
1: It's a night of technical difficulties. I I don't know what it is about Skype, man. It turns me into an elderly man trying to use technology. To, you know, kids taught me use the computer, but I I promise you, I am tech savvy. Until we start to record this podcast and then uh, I'm just like, wait a minute, let me plug in the microphone. Can you hear me, <laughs>
0: Wait a second. It's where it's like, have you, oh man, have you seen the Geico commercials where it's the, the parents, like the people becoming yes. their parents? Uh, yes. Accurate,
1: were, accurate commercial.
0: Yes, where it's like, <laughs> it's, we all have a, a, the button on the side of the phone to turn it off. I don't have yeah. it. No, yes, you do. It's right there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't have silence. Your phone rings. Silence. it. I don't have silence. We all do. Yeah, it's on the side.
0: <laughs> oh man, and
1: it's true. It is something when you, you know, you. It, this still happens, you know. You're you're in you're in a place where a cell phone shouldn't go off, and the phone rings, and someone gets it out, and it takes a really long time to kind of look at the phone, think about it. <laughs> Then silence it. Then they put it away in the bag or the purse or whatever. And then it rings again two minutes later.
0: Yep. And then they're like... And, the same thing. Right. and then they get mad. They get mad at it. Like it's like it's the phone's fault. It's like...
1: <laughs> right. Turn it down, man. That's, yeah. That is so going to be me. It's not even funny.
0: <laughs> this newfangled gadgetry that's been around for many years now. But, hey right there you go well man it is good to be back on we took a little break um last week um but now we are back back together to discuss um a a good topic i think just to maybe take a little sidestep from our conversation on racism and other things but um
1: yeah but also still going on but we're just uh we don't want to get so focused on that because i mean that's a marathon you know we're not trying to (laughs) on that one that's a that, that is a centuries long marathon and we hope that we're making some new strides but we, we can't burn ourselves out
0: yeah there's there's a lot and, to, there's a lot that sure, can be yeah. that could be said about it and um, I mean daily we're seeing new things popping up on on Facebook that will cause us to have or at least cause me to yeah. have like physical reactions um, honestly but at the same time yeah like, oh, me too. Yeah, so we're, we will we will hold off on talk about wait, that.
1: Since we're since we're not talking about race, can I just say one thing about not talking about race? Yes. Okay. This is not talking about race, <laughs> but I just want to say that um I don't think want to talk about race either. <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: This this is my opinion. Okay. So are we still recording?
0: I'm recording. Yep, we're on.
1: Oh, okay. I just want to say I don't really think people of color want to have to talk about race either i mean think about that imagine a world where you know you're you're a young black person and you don't have to think about that and you just think about the other stuff (laughs) i mean that right you know what i'm saying like there is like a parallel universe out there where race doesn't matter and colin kaepernick doesn't have to protest he's just still playing football like oblivious to the idea that in our world, uh, race is still a thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's um, that, that's that's a great point. I wonder. Yeah, well, that's,
1: I mean, that that's just one aspect of white privilege that we don't acknowledge a lot. Is that you know, um, you know, <laughs> a young white person. So much doesn't have to think about race that they could basically just be oblivious to it. Think about like skateboarding or something like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think of the guy who was bird watching and he got the cops called on him. You know, <laughs> I mean, here's a, you know here's uh, a, that famous story. Here's a black man and he is a birder. That's what the newspapers called him. He's bird watching. This guy is probably a nerd. More power to him. He just wants to think about birds and then he got dragged into a situation where he has to think about race because he got the cops called off. Yeah. See, it it's the hand that's dealt. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to just be oblivious to that and not have to think about it? That's the way I kinda wish America was now. That's what I'm talking about. I'm I'm talking about a you know, race at this point should be as absurd to us as child labor. I mean we look at child labor as this thing that happened in history, terrible mistake. We were crazy then. We'll never do that again. We'll never let 10-year-olds work in coal mines. You know, We'll never let little girls crawl around under the machinery in a textile factory. That just seems like something from ancient history now. That's really the way race should be in this country. We should look at that as, whoa, that happened hundreds of years ago, and everyone was stupid um everyone was misguided it it just seems should seem like this quaint thing of the past and yet it's here every day so that's me not talking about race
0: no that's good man i think that um you know i think we'll be talking a lot about it next week when we have our our guest on with us but um yeah you know i think what we're what we're finding is again i think even <laughs> there's an uncomfortable reality i think for many people right now of the, the idea that they have to talk about race and like you said, it would be right. wonderful if we didn't have to um, and people don't want to and I said this to a friend of mine the other day. I said I think that the reason why many people don't want to is because it, once they acknowledge it, um, they have to either start working with it or just settle for the fact that they're a racist. And so, yeah, um, and, and I, I do
1: think that there is a big element of you'll be pulled outside your comfort zone. But, yeah. you know, I've I said this uh, a few times and just have believed it my whole life is that if we, the church, were doing what we were supposed to do uh, in terms of loving each other, in terms of, you know, loving your neighbor as yourself, in terms of, uh, there is neither nor Greek male nor female, um, you know. But we're all one in Christ. I really think we wouldn't be having this conversation. The church could have been a lighthouse of anti-racism, anti-slavery, 400 years ago, and God knows it tried. You know, mm-hmm. there were there were groups in the church that pushed for um, that pushed for abolishing slavery from the beginning. Um, I don't know if you' if you're aware of what group would you would you like to take a guess at what what religious group said slavery is evil? And they said this a long time ago, like 400 years ago.
0: Hmm. I, I, I could I, I can't guess no go ahead.
1: We were We would call them Mennonites now um, or Anabaptists, Not but Anabaptists. back then they were called Quakers. Yeah, they were called Quakers. Um, and, but there was uh, another religious group that pushed for slavery uh, that thought slavery was a good idea and used race and religion uh, to justify it uh, for a couple centuries. And I won't make you guess uh, what group that was because um, you might get yourself in trouble. I'll just tell you the answer. Um, it's the Puritans. So we had two religious groups. Uh, in early America, uh, pilgrims, um, you know, Pennsylvania groups and Massachusetts groups, and the Puritans pushed slavery, and the Mennonites uh, pushed against slavery. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the Puritans won because there was money in slavery.
0: Yep. Yeah. So
1: there you go. That's me not talking about rape, but. But I just feel like the church, if we had gone the Mennonite way – and by the way, do you want to know what the Mennonites wrote or the Quakers, they called themselves? Do you want to know what the whole gist of their paper was when they spoke out against slavery? Yeah. yeah. It was as follows. It was love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> so how many of you would want to be in slavery for the rest of your life? None of you. So why do we have slaves? We should end slavery because no one wants that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow so so you're saying that you and i would be would be fitting right in with the quakers in our podcast most of the time huh?
1: we, we could have been quakers man in fact uh you know i i i have realized that over the years i've come to think like an anabaptist uh, mm-hmm. or a mennonite i just can't call myself part of that denomination because i'm not part of that body in that community working with that congregation you know i'm in a you know, an interdenominational or non-denominational church probably calls itself like a contemporary type church mm-hmm. um, that's non-denominational. And I, you know, I'm happy there with that group, but it's like philosophically, I, I know I'm an Anabaptist. I just know that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And that's a, I think that's a, I think really, that's the tension, but that's, I think there's a lot to be said about that. I think that there's, Um, you know... The battle between understanding what scripture says and living what scripture says, and only allowing ourselves to um, live by what scripture says, yeah, you know, as a whole, you know, like it's not like we and, and there's some stuff that we got to say, like, okay, there's freedom because we don't yeah. know exactly where that where where it lies or where where God stands on it. So, like, you know, there's that spot of saying we have freedom in that, um, but right. when it comes to the clarity of of humanity and dignity and character and uh, speaking truth and love and loving our neighbors. We love ourselves and, you know, living in that, that way of understanding who we're supposed to be. I think that um, it's hard for me to see people who claim Christ justifying it uh, without using scripture, you know, and, and part of me wants to say the Anabaptists would be saying to themselves, um. Well, if it's not in the Bible, like if it's if it's pretty clear in the Bible that it shouldn't be happening, then we need to be we need to stop it. Um, and and that's kind of like the denomination I'm in. Uh, one of the things that they would, when it first came together, one of the things that they would ask themselves is how goes your walk, right? So they would ask like, how's your journey with Jesus going? Like how how is your relationship with him? Are you are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you do you feel still connected to him? Like. And how how do we support you in that? But then the yeah. second thing would be, where is it written? Right? So in their conversations, like if they're gonna have you know, discussion around certain topics that biblically we wanna make sure that what we're saying is not based off of our own personal feeling, but what we actually read in scripture. And if it's not there in scripture, then we have to say, Okay, that's fine, hold your opinion, but we're not gonna argue over it because that's your opinion, it's my opinion. But yeah, but we can't look at this stuff and say, Well, you know, my opinion's this and your opinion's that, so we're not gonna argue it. No, it's like it's pretty cut and dry right now, you know. And I know we didn't want to talk about race, but here we are, uh, before we go into the I other, know, um, but but the reality of it is, is that it's pretty cut and dry. Um, the Bible is all about lifting up humanity and and lifting up the the, the integrity or not integrity, the the dignity of of human beings and god is always bringing people up it's never putting people down and so when we see what's happening in the bible pointing to lifting people up then we should never have an argument over whether or not racism exists or or how racism is being discussed it should we, we should be saying okay it's there, how do we squash it? It's there, How do we squash it? Yeah. if this is if this right here is causing tension in the racial um, in, in the racial relationship and in our relationship with each other, then maybe we need to release it, get rid of it and and I and I battle with this because I watch people who want to say like we want to hold on to these monuments we want to hold on to these things. How dare you get rid of Aunt Jemima How dare you get rid of Uncle Ben? How dare you do this? How dare you do that right right but it's like again when we think of ourselves in like a marriage, right? If we were in a marriage, in a relationship and someone came into your home, your, your wife comes into your home and says, you know what? Like I, I can't see that and not think of something that causes pain. Um, you know, I can't look at that and stop crying. I can't look at that and stop, stop feeling like I'm, like I'm, I'm less than I can't, you know, it's like if you, (laughs) if you had a picture of your ex-girlfriend You know, in in a little special binder that you kept underneath yourself. You know, you don't go and look at it all the time, but, you know, it's there. And then when she pulls it out, she sees it, and it causes her pain. Are you going to keep your ex-girlfriend picture, or are you going to get rid of it? Hopefully, you're going to get rid of it. Why? Because it causes pain. Why would you want to keep something that causes pain? Even if it's from your past. (laughs) You know what I mean? like like you like pull it out from under the shelf and and, because it's not like you go back and look at it all the time which nobody goes back and look at these monuments every single year nobody goes every single day to just go sit by the monument and just eat a a burger and just look at it like nobody does that you know what i mean (laughs) but on occasion though they might go on a trip and they'll see it if you it's the same thing you have a picture under your thing like you open up the cabinet on occasion you pull it out and you have those memories of oh i remember this girlfriend yeah she was great And then your wife's going, yeah, but you see what pain that causes me? I don't care what pain that causes you. This is my memory, and this is what I want to hold on to. Right. You don't love your wife then, right? Because if you loved your wife, you'd say, okay, no, I'm going to get rid of it. I don't want to cause you pain. Right. (laughs) If you you cannot get over taking down monuments because it's going to help people feel better, like if it's going to help kind of lower the pain – because it's going to help people feel a little bit like they're a part of something and they actually feel like, wow, these United States are really United States in this, but because they're monuments or because of whatever, and you can't let that go, then you really don't know how to love your neighbor. So as a Christian, if you're upset over monuments being torn down more than you are about the dignity of your your brother and sister in humanity, then you don't know how to love your neighbor well. You do not know how to do it. And if you don't know how to do it, then you need to check your relationship with Jesus because he'll point you to how to love your neighbor. And ultimately what it means is you sacrifice – sometimes you have to sacrifice things that you hold dear that honestly are more of just for you to hold dear than actually have an essential uh, necessity in, in your life. Like it's just something you're just holding dear to. and. And it's better for you to say, "I'm going to sacrifice this for my brother and sister, for yeah. for their well being, because that's what loving our neighbor is about."
1: Yeah, it's really in the spirit of you know what Paul said about like if eating meat causes my neighbor to sin, then I I will not eat meat. You know, man, you know it's it's not exactly the same, but it's in the spirit of that, like caring about your neighbors walk or your neighbor's well being so much that you would give up something and oh my gosh, Bobby, what American would give up meat <laughs> to keep his neighbor from sinning? Yeah. I I don't know, man. I mean we're we're like talking about we won't even wear a mask in the in the store, you know?
0: Well you're also we talking you're also talking about a church that was up in I think in New York that was doing an yeah. a, an AR fifteen giveaway. Okay, they were doing an no, AR fifteen no. giveaway. Who and I can't remember the name of the church, and I'm not going to even try to pull it up because I don't want to give any publicity to them. But the, uh, the right, reality is right. that they were doing this giveaway, and one of the requirements was you had a you when you came in you couldn't um you couldn't have any cameras, you couldn't it was, I can't remember what else it was, um. But then the other thing was, oh, you had to touch a ham, before you can go in. You
1: didn't touch a ham. Yeah. Oh my goodness.
0: Be- <laughs> what? obviously, because they were trying to, you know, weed out the people who, you know, yeah, spiritually, they're not it's supposed a report,
1: to it's a report report unclean like uh, Semitic people like yeah. uh, Muslims and Jews. Uh
0: huh. So basically, That's- they were they were doing. All right,
1: listen it. to this though. Back in uh, so. Um, Voltaire, a great, great French philosopher and satirist, there was a scene in his book Candide where these two guys were executed because they had discarded the bacon garnish from a piece of chicken. And <laughs> My students, we were, we were, you get it, right? We were reading Candide, and they were like, "What does that mean? Like, why would they kill these guys for throwing the bacon away?" And I was like, "Oh, this is this just showing that um, they they must have been Jewish or Muslim, you know? Right? Um, because the the whole the whole uh, a big part of the book was uh, the the Inquisition. They were trying to figure out who's not Catholic.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, I um. So,
1: but here's the thing, here's the thing that when you said touching the ham, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's as absurd as the bacon garnish, uh, which, uh, you know, 1700s French philosopher um, Voltaire made fun of.
0: (laughs) I, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I, um, you brought up the inquisition and I started laughing because like, this is one of those things that you think about when people are like, you know. Oh, well, look at all this! Like, look at all this history. We, we we don't want to tear down, you know, blah blah blah. And I'm like, you know, there there aren't a whole lot of Spanish Inquisition celebrations. You know what I mean?
1: There um, really are not, man. Um, the closest thing is that Monty Python skit. Yeah.
0: The Spanish Inquisition. Um,
1: yeah. But- nobody nobody expects this. The Spanish Inquisition. <laughs>
0: But the reality of it is, though, it's like you you read about it, but nobody talks about it. Nobody – there aren't any statues memorializing the Spanish Inquisition. Why?
1: Well, no. Yeah. there probably needs to be a museum about it for sure. But I mean there needs to be a museum, not just one. There needs to be a museum in like every country where it happened.
0: Yeah, know? but that would be an ugly, ugly reality of the church, right? Yeah, I mean, and yeah. and the thing is, Christians don't like to honor our ugliness. Um, yeah. You know, we will we will we will point to everybody else's, but we will very rarely oh. ever talk about ours. And um, this isn't anything against Christ, Christians or church, because obviously I'm a pastor. But it, the reality of it is, though, is that um, <laughs> I I I'm all I'm I'm baffled by sometimes we think about the Crusades, Constantine and his whole crusade of you know, in the name of God, in the kingdom of God, right? I mean, like he, like he used that, like the bishops that were using that to manipulate the, the Spanish Inquisition, right? the the whole The whole idea that the church, even when the when the Protestants came over to the United States, you know, it's like, you know, there, there was a movement, right? When the Pilgrims came in, it was like they were trying to convert. And anybody who didn't convert was going to die. You know what I mean? Because because okay. they were because they were demons. They were they were they were they were of the devil, right? I mean, it was like that's all we saw. And they they did a lot of horrible things in the name of Jesus, which is baffling to me. But we still yeah. see it today when we think of the KKK and a lot of things that they do and they. You know, they like to demonstrate that. Well, they believe in Jesus and they love they love God, um, and that's why they want to they want to keep everybody lower than them, and make sure that they're the superior race because God made them the superior race. Um, I saw a picture recently of these people uh, protesting, and they had their Confederate flags and they had the Christian flag, and for some reason, that's become like a a thing that's like correlated. Like, oh well, if you are, if you are a Christian, you got to stand up for the for the rebel flag. And it's like,
1: Oh my goodness. No.
0: Like, why would we want to do that? And, and then you have Christians who are arguing for the rebel flag. Like, like, look, I understand the history of it. I get it. But what it's been used for now is even worse. Right. So like, like that's the, that's the bigger picture of it all. Like when they, they want to say, well, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's a history. Okay. Look, it is a historical flag. I get it. But what it's being used for now is to represent a supremacy, um, a white supremacy, a an an agenda that puts, yeah. that's put forth to say um, the southern roots, the South will rise again, right? The 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 pride right. of the South is that we have held African American people hostage. We have held people in slavery we have been so caught up in in being this rebellious group of people and in reality it's just causing more damage and nobody when somebody stands up against them it's like whoa 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 whoa! don't tread on me you know what i mean and it's like right like slow down like this is we are trying to say what your flag represents is not healthy and if you are a part of these United States of America and you want to yell out all lives matter then you know what prove it if all lives matter then care about the lives of your brothers and sisters care about them enough to say if your life matters to me and if this causes you pain then I'm willing to get rid of it because all it is is a piece of fabric and a picture you are a human being with a heartbeat, with breath in your lungs, you bleed, you have a family, you want to feel safe in these United States of America that are supposed to be built upon Christian principles that we want to say is a Christian nation, that we want to say was built upon the fundamental truths of the Bible. Well, the fundamental truths of the Bible is love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Lift up humanity. Build up the people. Lift up dignity integrity the image of god inside of everyone that's the bible so if we're going to say this nation is built upon the fundamental truths of scripture then that's it and we're missing the point if we if we don't stand for that
1: wow yeah so That's, that's something I, uh, I have a weird irony for you. I actually looked up, uh, I, won't say, I won't say where it is um, because it's a pretty generic name, but guess what the name of the church is that did the AR-15 giveaway?
0: Oh, uh, what is it?
1: Grace Baptist Church. Oh, jeez. Anyway, our intention today was to talk about Grace, uh, so maybe we could call this episode From Race to Grace. Ooh. I feel like we have to.
0: Yeah, I think um, I, I, I'll write that down so I remember to make that the title.
1: <laughs> but, you know, this whole thing about, you know, man, I, I feel like if the church was living out grace, I don't think racism would have been the problem it has been over the centuries. Um, but you and I both follow a, a dad's group on Facebook. We'll just say that, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody posted in there a question that we both liked, and it was, uh, it was this. Um, so switching gears now. Understanding grace is – if okay, he says, if someone said understanding grace is the key to living a godly life, how might you encourage them to get there? All right, so uh, to sort of put some disclaimers on that, we're not saying understanding grace is a key to salvation. We're just saying what if someone said understanding grace is a key to living a godly life? How might you encourage them to get there? And we're also not saying this is a destination you can really – arrive at in your lifetime but I thought that was a pretty good question um if understanding grace is the key to living a godly life how might you encourage them to get there hmm. whoa you want to talk about grace and like what that is <clears throat> I mean shoot I could talk about it you know um but uh just wonder what are your thoughts so far
0: yeah so um grace so Grace is obviously an essential element of our faith, right? Uh, you, can't, you can't look at your Christianity without thinking of grace, grace and mercy. Right. They come, they come together. Um, and so the definition, obviously, of mercy is not getting what we deserve, right? And grace is getting something that we don't deserve. <laughs> so it's like this is, yeah. this is pretty much where it's at. So Jesus, yeah. the epitome and the embodiment of grace and mercy all in one, um, justice all in one, and so, when we think about who we are as followers of Christ and what it means to walk in grace, it's remembering the fact that it really should humble us. Um, yeah, and that's and that's really ultimately what we have to lead toward, right, or, le- or move toward is humility, um, because the humility is re- recognizing that we all need the grace, that it's not that it's not just for me, it's not just for you know a, a certain group of people it's for all of humanity. And so when we want to say how do we get there? Yeah. If, if that's a if that's really um because that was the focus of the question, right? Is how do you get people to I think
1: it was it was how to get your mind into the the place of understanding grace. You yeah. Because I mean li- living out grace, we can never really arrive. It's it's like all the commandments of God, you know, love the lord your god with all your heart soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself it's like we can understand those but we're probably not really going to get there right and i i do think i do think you can understand grace mostly but there but there's going to be some mysterious things about it too
0: yeah
1: and i'm okay with the mystery i think the mystery is part of being a Christian is realizing that, like, you can know God, but you can't know God.
0: <laughs> you right, know, right.
1: You, can, you can understand grace, but you can't understand grace. You know.
0: Yeah, and I think that. Um, so then, ultimately, then wrapping our mind around grace is remembering the fact that um, it will. First, you have to come to the realization that that you can't you can't heal yourself. Um because our brokenness, right, is, is really what the grace is for. Yeah. It's for our the fact that we can't heal our imperfection. We can't make ourselves perfect. We can't in all in everything that we might be thinking that we're doing great on, we're always gonna have a flaw because you're gonna either be measuring your level of greatness with somebody else. So now you're instantly comparing, so now you're kinda um, in that coveting aspect because you want to be just like them or you want to be better than them. So it's like no matter what, we're always going to be having something about us that's broken in our human nature. Yeah. So in order for us to be reconnected to God in our brokenness, we have to come into that understanding of what grace is, is that yeah. we deserve death. We deserve what Jesus took on the cross but the grace is the fact that we don't have to <laughs> and that he has called us his heir to his throne without needing to us to be perfect. And it, like, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be because we can't do it on our own, but we're still going to be considered children of God in that process. So for me, like that's I think that's how we have to we have to work toward shaping our mind around that is that we're still called his workmanship. We're still called yeah. his children. We're still able to be a part of something bigger because of his grace. Um, when I look at going back to Genesis again, I've talked about this before, I think. But like when we think about Genesis, Adam and Eve, when they ate from the fruit and they figured out they were naked, what did they do? They clothed themselves with fig leaves, right? Yeah. And yeah. Because in their humanity, they thought, well, as long as I can cover myself up but they cover themselves up with fig leaves. Now, I don't know about you, but putting leaves over my stuff, I'm pretty positive it's not going to be very comfortable, right? <laughs> that's just that's just my right. assu- that's my assumption. I've never put fig- I haven't
1: tried. It. I haven't tried it yet, but uh I've I've never, give
0: it a shot. <laughs> I have never put fig leaves down there, but I'm pretty positive it's not going to be the most comfortable thing. But that's just that's just my <laughs> this is my thought, especially when they're trying to figure out what this is all about, right? So yeah. now But then God in his holiness comes into the picture and he says to them, I know you've messed up. I know what's wrong. I know where you like mercy is. I'm not killing you right now. But the grace is the fact that he, he, he gives them an animal skin a little bit more comfortable to cover themselves up. You see, he could have left them in their uncomfortable state. He could have left them saying, Okay, this is your bed you lie you you lay down in it. You figure out how to how to slaughter the cow. You figure out how to make the leather. You figure out how to make your covering because you know what? You screwed up, you fix it. But in his grace, he said, I'm going to take care of this for you. And yeah. I, and I'm still going to let you continue the process of being my creation because he still let Adam name Eve. Like he he's still at that point, he still hadn't named Eve. And after he, after the sin and after everything entered in and he covered him up, he still let him name, like he was still able to still name, which is a part of Adam's process, right? When Adam was there, he had to name the animals, he had to name everything else. It's like, he still gave him a role to play and he never took it away from him. He let him continue the process. And so that is, that is the idea of grace. You know, is that, yes, you've messed up. Yes, you fail all the time. But I'm still going to keep providing for you. And I'm still going to let you be a part of something bigger. And I'm still going to let you play a role in my kingdom because you're my creation. Yeah. That's grace.
1: That's just amazing, too. I mean, when you just stop and you think about it, and you just meditate on it sometimes. And this is something that, that I hope, A lot of Christians do. I don't know if the secular world knows that we do this, but we just sit and meditate on sometimes the attributes of God or the love of God or the actions of Jesus. And this idea of of grace is one that we can just think about. Like, man, we get to be a part of all of this, and uh, it's a gift. You know, it's undeserved. It's it's also, uh, for me— Um, an important aspect of grace is knowing that it's our only hope Um, there is nothing we can do to work our way to God to work our way to being in the light or in heaven or being one with our creator Um, there's nothing we can do our only hope is Jesus that's it the death and resurrection of Jesus the blood of Jesus that's it. Like that's, that's all we got. And for me, there's this whole sobering reminder every day that no matter what I do, no matter how I think, no matter how I might abstain from sin or train my mind to, to focus on the higher things of God or to, to love my neighbor, I am no closer to God than any other believer. Right, because I have the same grace that anyone else has, you know. And I remember the first moment that I even realized this. It was freeing and it was humbling at the same time. Um, I was working as a the the bread driver, delivery driver for the Clarksburg mission, the rescue mission. And the, the Clarksburg mission has recently like kind of changed its. Uh, um, Focus to be in more of like a recovery, a shelter, because that's what this area needs so badly, you mm-hmm. know, but uh, for a while, it was just this sort of open-ended program, like anybody who, need, who needed a place to live could go there, and it would be a place to kind of get back on your feet at times, and uh, I was there with a the guy, we'll say his name was Gerald, um, mm-hmm. because that was his actual name, uh, but I, I feel like if I don't say his last name, it's Gerald is common enough that nobody's going to know who he is, right? Right. He was one of the homeless people staying there, uh, and he was a little bit younger than me. You know, it was interesting to to run across a, a homeless person who was a couple years younger than me. But anybody can become homeless. You know, there are a lot of homeless children, but there are some homeless young people too. Uh, talking like young men, like in their mid twenties, and uh, you know. A lot of people, if they don't have those family support systems or those safety nets of being able to move in with a relative, um, they can become homeless very quickly. All they have to do is lose one job and be out of work for two or three weeks, you know, and um, or not make rent for a month or two, you know. And he was, he was, he was living in the mission, and he's not a guy that I would consider uh, like intelligent. Okay, I'm just gonna be. I'm judgy. Okay, so I, I had judged that Daryl was not very intelligent. You know, <laughs> he would he would tell like dirty jokes and wait for you to laugh at his dirty jokes, right? Uh, you know, he he smoked. You know, he was a very simple man. Uh, he had a mullet. All right, I'm very judgy. The guy had a mullet. You know, mm-hmm. he, he was always wearing a ball cap. You know, um, but sweet and lovable in some ways, uh, annoying in others. But he would come. And work with me, and here I am, you know, And I'm a, I'm a college student while I'm at the mission, you know. And so I'm going to college, and here I am thinking about, uh, you know, Mark Twain and, you know, Shakespeare and, you know. And uh, he's thinking about goofy things he saw on the internet, you know. And there's a, there's a spirit in me that I want to be really judgy. I want to feel superior to the guy sitting next to me who's not as intelligent as I am. But I remember he came with me one time to do the bread pickup, and we're driving around Clarksburg. What you do is you go to Panera Bread, and you go to Walmart, and you go to Kroger, and they, they give the day old bread to the mission. A lot of the businesses around here do that, give to uh, uh, food pantries, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we're going to pick up the bread. And uh, the cool thing about Gerald is uh, our, our director at the Clarksburg Mission. Had told me that Gerald had recently received Christ, so Gerald was, as we used to say in old timey church, he was saved like recently, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but he's still being Gerald, you know. He's still telling dirty jokes, you know. And so we're on the truck, and uh, I am thinking, I don't know, it just hit me. I was thinking about grace. I, I think, I don't know. I was in my mid twenties. I think I had recently reread the ragamuffin gospel by Brennan manning and i had read blue like jazz and there was a whole chapter about grace in there and i remember it suddenly dawned on me i i'm telling you the holy spirit struck me to repent of my feelings of superiority over people like gerald because you know they weren't as um successful in the world as i was they weren't as intelligent as i was didn't have as good of a haircut as i had mm-hmm. uh and so um, and he's, you know, and and basically God showed me at that moment while I'm driving the truck. Do you understand that you're not any closer to God than Gerald is? Do you understand that? You know, it's, it's like it's as if God was telling me, I don't think you do. You know, because right. the idea is, I. It doesn't matter how intelligent I felt I was. It didn't matter how long I had been saved or that I was a Christian. It didn't matter what kinds of things I, I occupy my mind with while I'm driving around, my intelligent thoughts, you know. Um, it didn't matter that I worked for a rescue mission. It didn't even matter that I worked for a rescue mission and did some kind of Christian ministry at the time. You know, I was no closer to God than Gerald was because we both both of us have the same thing our only hope is the blood of Jesus both of us that's it right and really the distance between me and God is infinite and the distance between Gerald and God is infinite right all we have is the blood of Jesus and once I realized that I just was like free of my stupid uh, judgment that I had, my stupid feelings of superiority I had. I was humble in that moment, and what's weird is I kind of laughed. It was sort of the closest I've ever gotten to to holy laughter. I don't know if I'm going to make you nervous here talking about Pentecostal, but um, I started to – I started to laugh at this moment because I was like, oh, my gosh, like here I am trying to keep score. Like I'm closer to God than somebody else because of what I do, because of who I am, because of how I think, because of what I believe. And But at the end of the day, all I've got is the grace of Jesus. That's it. And I started to laugh, and right at that moment, Gerald had just finished saying the punchline of a very dirty joke on the truck of the Christian mission. And here I am laughing, and I'm telling you, he probably thought I was laughing at that dirty joke. But that was one of the highest (laughs) spiritual moments of my life. (laughs) Wow. And I just really had this – the walls came down, man. I had this love for him, and we were good buddies after that. You know, I I didn't have to look down on him anymore. I didn't have to get frustrated by people uh, who weren't up to my standards because it was like, what are my standards? My standards are idiotic, Mm. you know? Uh, I mean the only thing that matters is our standard is Jesus, you know, and we're both we're both me and Gerald both weren't living up to Jesus at that moment right yeah. still not still not you know <laughs> I mean wherever Gerald is, whatever he's doing now, you know um we're I'm not any closer to God than he is, you know
0: yeah and I think that's the that's the thing right is that um when we can live in that in that reality. Yeah. Um, it would only make us better, I think, as Christians. Is that we realize that um, I'm one step away from either being completely messed up yeah. or being ultra spiritual, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And so it's like if we just live in that in that balance of recognizing, like, man, I can mess up any moment. Um, and I do mess up daily. I may not mess up the same as somebody else messes up, but I'm still messing up. and I'm still in the need of a savior. And if I'm still in the need of a savior, just like everybody else is still in the need of a savior, then that's where we that's that's where our commonality comes. And Christians of all I mean of all people should be the ones who live in that commonality, you know, because yeah. we we shouldn't expect the world to understand that. But we as Christians should be the ones who say, like, you know what? Like, someone looks different than me. I'm gonna love them because honestly, they're just like they're just like me in need of a savior. Um, and I think what happens is that many people who fall into their into the Christian faith after a while they start to become they get a superiority complex of I understand God. I understand Jesus. I'm reading the Bible, I pray, I go to church, I know all the I know all the Chris Tomlin songs. Um, so, if <laughs> yeah. I, so if I know those and I do all those things right, then I'm definitely closer to God and these people are not. And so now all of a sudden we become puffed up thinking that we got it all figured out and it's very very clear in Scripture. That we don't know enough, <laughs> and so because we don't know enough, we need to remain humble, and that's what grace is—humility. Yeah. So
1: that's it. And for me, I you know, one thing that hits me a lot because I'm still kind of judgy. It's a you know, uh, it's it's interesting what Jesus covers uh, like three in a row in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, lust, judgment. And worry because those are my pet sins man you know yeah and well, jesus knows that about me and um but i'm still pretty judgy when i look at other people and and, and i'm not gonna lie I, I know other people especially now with um people coming home to report to you on the internet who was wearing a mask at the store and he wasn't <laughs> we're all sort of judgy you know yeah and um and so i would in the old days of walmart you know I, i'd show up at a walmart and i'd look look over at this family that just looked like I don't know just they just look like I, you know what I'm gonna say they just look like the kind of people that uh, didn't look like the best and brightest of society you know hmm. and uh, I don't I don't mean to be like a like a eugenicist here but I was watching the SNL one time and Tina Fey uh, made a joke on um, what they called the weekend update the news part of Saturday night live mm-hmm and Tina Fey made a joke, and she said that uh, you know Walmart was going to ban the morning after pill until they looked around and they saw the people that shopped at Walmart. Gosh. And I know it's a really mean joke, uh, but it's kind of the spirit that I was in. Like, there are people at Walmart who are too disgusting to breathe, you know? And I was just like, man, Tina Fey, I didn't know you were a eugenicist, but I, I mean, now I know. <laughs> <You> know so. <laughs> But 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 they but but that joke got uproarious laughter because what it was was a shot at you know when you go into Walmart and there's someone without a shirt um or there's someone, you know, uh with a trash stamp and, you know I you know, just all kinds of things that we could judge and I'd look over in Walmart sometimes and see an entire family uh with mullets, you know, and uh you know, a little boy, you know, sitting in a Shopping cart going, mini Mom, Can I have another bag of cheesy puffs? You know, and there's just a there's just a part of me that just wants to feel like superior. Like, look, like I don't have a mullet. Like, I don't have that accent. I'm not feeding my, you know, six year old cheesy puffs in the Walmart. You know, uh, I'm such a good adult. I would make my children eat healthy snacks. You know, and uh, so there's a part of me that wants to feel like superior. To the random people I see, to want to be like that Tina Fey joke and go, you know, why are you allowed to have children, you know, in the most evil kind of superior sort of way. Uh, but one exercise for me is to look at anybody, anybody I see, like in a Walmart, and go, I am not better than that person. That person bears the image of God. That person is just like me or even better in God's eyes because Jesus said he was in the face of the poor. You know, yeah. sometimes you can look over at a family and you can kind of tell by the way they dress or the way they carry themselves that maybe they're they're poor. I mean, we all do that. We sort of can judge whether someone's rich, we definitely can judge whether someone's poor. We look at their car their clothes their you know their their patterns of speech and you know things they're interested in we say rich or poor we can be wrong but it's it's a snap judgment we all make you know Mm -hmm. and uh when i look at somebody who's maybe the face of the poor and i'm like jesus said like that's him yeah you know g (laughs) you know and he said the least of these and so if i look at somebody and i'm like oh my gosh the entire family has mullets guess what that's an entire family of the of person of Jesus and Jesus has a mullet hmm. and I am not I am not better than those people and in fact if I serve those people if I love those people I am loving Christ that's kind of what grace does to me sometimes
0: right that's good yeah I think that's a again though it's it's a humble state right that's a everything everything that you pointed to there was just a humility you know, it's yeah. recognizing that it's recognizing that about ourselves. And I think that's, mm. that is the call of grace. Um, Because, and, and I'm going to close here. This is where I'll, I'll end on my, on my thought, because again, we, we talk about the woman caught in adultery a lot, but what happens at the woman caught in adultery? It's like, you know, yeah. he, these men are standing there with stones ready to take her life. And he kneels down and starts writing stuff in the sand. And then, They just drop their stones and they leave. And he says, who here condemns you? Nobody. Neither do I. Stand up, go, sin no more, right? And the reality of it is, is that in that moment, that woman's realizing that nobody had the ability to condemn her in that moment. Even though she had just done something that was definitely by law, she should have been stoned to death. But through Christ, the grace that was given through him, he he put those people... In a humble place where they knew that if they cast the first stone, yeah. they'd be lying. He's without sin cast the first stone, and they knew that they could not do it because if they did, they would be lying. And so they had to drop the stones and leave. Because at that moment Jesus put all of humanity at an equal playing field. Everybody sinned. Nobody has That's the right, right nobody has the right to judge. Nobody has the right to throw a rock. Just lift them up, lift them up. Right. Tell them, tell them to go and and try and and do better. Right. To, to not, yeah. not just yeah. not necessarily do better, but but at the same time saying, keep your eyes on Christ. Quit
1: keep your eyes it. on Christ. That that's to do better. You know. Yeah. And What's amazing about that story is the the one person who could have thrown a rock at her was Jesus. He was the one person who had sin, and he said. Is there no one left to condemn you? Then neither do I.
0: Right. Right. Well, man, um, I think this is, again, a great conversation on race yeah. and grace. Um, so uh, I'm, I've am i taken the title. We are going to put that title of this thing, From Race to Grace. Race Grace. Um, That's and the so, new
1: name for this podcast, by the way, Race and Grace. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but that's what we should have gone with. We should have, but Hey, crowdsourcing brought us to Frankincense. So that's, that's how it works. But, um, but Hey, Frankincense, I think still gets people liking it. So there you go. But, um, I do too.
1: Yeah, I do too. I'm sticking with
0: it. Yeah. Well, Hey man, great conversation. Thank you for, for, uh, for making this happen. I know that uh we've had a lot of technical difficulties tonight, but I'm glad that we were able to make it work. Oh, yeah. And uh
1: Well, let's be clear. Our technical difficulties are mostly the the failings of our uh rural infrastructure. And we just have to love it for what it is because you're in kind of you're not in a big city and I am definitely out in the boondocks. So Right. <laughs> We're coming to you live from uh, West Virginia, and that's part of the charm of this podcast.
0: That is it. And, uh, you know, again, we have to give grace to the inability of our internet. So there you go. Yes,
1: (laughs) yes. Sounds good. Sounds real good.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, man. Again, thanks a lot. And, uh, hey, for you listening, if you've made it this far, thank you for listening. And, um, you know, we really do ask for you guys to like, share, rate, comment. Um, because for a reason, we want other people to hear us. And when you like yeah. it, when you share it, people will find it. Um, when you comment on it, when you rate it, it actually puts us at a higher level where more people might find us. It actually puts us up in the ranks of with a Joel Osteen podcast and things like that. I don't really know. I'm just saying that. Oh uh, my
1: gosh, if we could get the Joel Osteen level, maybe I could get my teeth fixed and my smile could be as pretty as his. Oh,
0: uh, That would know, be only if you can live your best life now. Um, so but anyway, so.
1: I'm living my best life now, Bobby. I got a haircut today. Well, there you go,
0: there you go, yeah, um, but yeah, please rate, comment, share, do all that stuff because it really does help our podcast um, but this is the frankincense podcast has been great uh being together right now, and for uh for now, we are gonna go ahead and end our conversation, and we'll be back next yeah. week with a special guest, so. Again, thanks for listening to Frank and Says Podcast. I'm Bobby.
1: I am Jared.
0: And there we go. Have a good day. Bye.